Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. From KQBD in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, did you or your family choose to change your name to fit in better in the United States by shortening it, maybe altering its pronunciation, or even abandoning it altogether? This hour, we hear from people who've wrestled with their own or their family's decision to, quote, Americanize their names, and why, in some cases, they're reclaiming their original ones. You can share your story, too, on Forum after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. What's in a name? The question posed by Shakespeare is also the title of NYU sophomore Arya Young's winning entry to this year's NPR College Podcast Challenge. Young changed her name when she moved to Pennsylvania from Shanghai for high school because her original Chinese name was too hard for the English tongue to pronounce, she says in the podcast. Which got us wondering, listeners, have you or your family done something similar? changed your name to make it easier to pronounce or to better fit in, you can share your name-changing story by calling 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can share them on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at KQED Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. And joining me first is Aria Young. Welcome to Forum. Hi, Mina. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be on here. Well, we're really glad to have you on as well. And Arya is a lovely name. It wasn't, though, the name your parents gave you. What name is that? And why did your parents choose it for you? Yeah, so my native Chinese name is Yang Qingyue. And Yang is my last name, my surname. You know, it means willow, the willow tree. And Qingyue is my given name. So the first character, Qing, means to seep but um the meaning that my parents intended was that so the character has two parts and the left part means water and the left part of the right part of the character means heart so what my parents intended for me was that i would be gentle and pure like water and i would have a brave and kind heart and my chinese zodiac sign is also a dragon and you know in eastern mythology dragons live under the sea so my parents thought that oh like water and dragon they thought that that would really fit me and my second character means happiness so 
that's what my parents wished for me. Water, heart, and happiness. Ah, so how did you become Arya Young? Why did you change your name and choose that name? Yeah, so I moved to Pennsylvania when I was um, 16, 17 for high school. And when I first came here, I was told that, you know, having an English name would make your life a lot easier. You know, people would be able to pronounce it better and it'll just stick with people better and people will remind, re remember you and know you by that name. So, and it's common practice really for Asian immigrants to like choose an English name when they move to America. So that's what happened to me too. Um, I didn't really think too much about it when I was 16 and um, yeah, they were just like, you know, pick an English name. And then I did. So I've been going by Aria ever since. <laughs> and what drew you to Aria in particular? Um, yeah, you know, people ask me that and there's really not that much meaning behind it. I guess I just looked through a bunch of English names and I was thinking, you know, I want something that's kind of unique, but not weird, but also like not too basic, you know? So I thought that Aria is like a good sounding, like a good balance of that. And, um, Aria is also a musical term. It's, you know, it's like a song in opera, right? So I thought that, um, you know, it kind of symbolizes that my life will be melodic. And um, the second character in my given name, Yue, it also, it, it means happiness, but it can also mean like when music is really pleasing to the ear. So I thought, oh, you know, it kind of has that, um, like Aria and like music also has that indication like to my native name. Mm -hmm. So in your podcast, you say that you rejected your name, you rejected Yang Chin Yue in part because you felt like you wanted to reject what you felt like was all that you were, your Asian-ness, that it was all I was. What do you mean by all I was? Yeah, so, you know, I, I went to school in Pennsylvania and it's very suburban and um, predominantly white town and as a Catholic school. So in high school, I really didn't feel accepted. And I feel like my identity was really reduced to my Asian-ness, where I come from. You know, I talk to people and I meet new people. And the first thing they ask is, oh, like, how is China? Like, tell us what China is like. And I'm like, well, there's more to me than my nationality or my ethnicity, right? Um, so yeah, so in high school, I really feel like I wasn't really included in like, the the culture at my school and I feel like you know even though I changed my name that still didn't erase my foreignness people still saw me as a foreigner um so I think that's what my like native name symbolized was my foreignness at the time and you know thinking back is is really sad like a lot of students like me um weren't able to embrace their identity and embrace who they who they are because of how we were perceived in that environment. We're talking with Aria Young, co-host of What the New York podcast on WNYU, New York University student radio station. Aria is also winner of the 2022 NPR College Podcast Challenge, where she talks about changing her name from a Chinese name to the name Aria. And you, our listeners, are invited to join the conversation. Did you or your family choose to change your name to, quote, fit in to the United States, maybe by shortening it, altering its pronunciation, even abandoning it altogether? 
have you considered reclaiming your original name? You can call us at 866-733-6786. You can email us, forum at kqed.org. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at KQED Forum. And some of you already have. We have a listener who writes on Instagram. My great-grandfather changed changed name to fit in. He was born Antonio Duran Lagos in Spain. Due to racism, he had to change his name to Howard Nelson when he arrived in California to get work. And Monica writes, my, fam my father's family was Nicolopolis until it became Nicholson in the 1930s. This Greek branch of the family came to the U.S. via Mexico, so names were also changed there, like John for Juan. Arya, you interview one of your high school teachers for your podcast, and she recalled, I think, that almost all Chinese students at your school changed their names. When she told you that, what was your reaction? I definitely, I mean, it was a very expected answer because, you know, when I was there, all my friends had an English names and, um, and it's not just like Chinese students, also like Vietnamese students, Korean students, we all had English names and we would even refer to each other by our English names, even though we speak Chinese together. Um, and it's a very sad phenomenon that I've been contemplating. It's like, you know, so many people, so many of us immigrants come here and we kind of just abandon this old version of ourselves and our, our culture, our, our lineage. Um, there's, there's this sense of disconnection to, to that, to our home once we move here. And we try so hard to assimilate into American society. I mean, me, myself, you know, my, I feel like my entire high school life, I was really trying hard to fit in and trying hard to Americanize or Westernize myself. And there's definitely a sense of um, a disconnection there and a sense of confusion even like who I am who who am I you know who this am is, I in this American society yeah this is something you heard from other people who changed their names um, to sort of a western or Americanized name is often what it's called that they did it and felt a sense of disconnection as well a sense of like they were abandoning their culture Oh, absolutely. I know a lot of people, you know, they they came here and they initially started using an English name. And then years later, they, they're like, okay, I want to go back to using my native name. You know, I have a lot of friends who do that. And I think that's really brave. And it's, you know, it's really good for them that they choose to do that. Um, yeah, like, I'm, I'm proud of these people who, who do that. And I know, know that it's, it's good for them. And they feel more connected to their culture. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, I know that you are in your um, your common room of your dorm, and right. I know it's very hard to find uh, a quiet space in college and also to find the time to be able to talk to us while you're running between yeah. classes. So really appreciate you being on, but just to give our listeners an understanding of what they might be hearing right. in the background. And speaking of listeners, let me go to a call from Alexei in Union City. Hi, Alexei. Hello. Hi, what would you like to share? Uh, so I have a, I guess, a similar story, um, but I guess it, it just kind of skips the, the U.S. and the English um, experience uh, because I used to live in Japan. My wife is Japanese. Uh, I am Russian, and I have a very quintessential Russian last name. My last name is Gvozdiv, and uh, I know it's a mouthful to say in English, um, but, you know, living in Japan... Uh, it was already a mouthful. So when my wife did all the official paperwork to register for banks and all these other things, 
we had to put my name into Japanese uh, language. And Gvozdev, uh, I guess in English would be Gvozdev. In Japanese, it would sound Gvozdevu. The problem with my last name sounding Japanese is that the last syllable, Debu, means fat in Japanese. So if you're to transliterate my last name into Japanese katakana, it would kind of sound like the fat one or the fat Gvozdev. So my wife took the liberty of just cutting out the last syllable of my la- of everyone's last name for official paperwork. So my last name became Gbozde. Just just cut out the last letter. Um, and this is always done to kind of avoid the, the stigma of a of a foreign name in uh, in school for uh, my children, because of course they would be um, ruthlessly made fun of uh, in school. Um, just by having Debu uh, in their last name. Mm. How does that make you feel? Are you okay with the change? Um, I, I suppose I was, because when, when you're living in Japan, you know, you're kind of categorized as one of two people, either you're a foreigner or you're Japanese. There is no kind of, no other sense of, of culture, so you have to, you know, keep what you have, but I understand that, you know, having that in my last name would create a lot of potential challenges so I, for you. Potential challenges for my children. So oh, I, I guess I had no choice but to go with it. Well, you're also hitting on another thing, which is often also how names do get translated when you move and what they mean in other places and the extent to which we accommodate or not um, those new meanings. Well, Alexei, thanks so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. Thank you very much. And you listeners, we will hear more of your stories after the break. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. When Arya Young moved to the U.S. from Shanghai at 16, she did not take her name with her because it was too hard for the, quote, English tongue to pronounce. So she changed it. And this hour, we're hearing from Arya and others, listeners who've wrestled with their own or their parents' decision to change their names for one reason or another. And also, I would like to bring into the conversation Denise Soler-Cox, co-director and co-producer of Being Enye, Denise, thanks so much for being with us. 
Thanks for having me. This has been fascinating so far. <laughs> also with us is Sabalo Mzambi, a computer scientist and researcher, uh, a research fellow at Harvard's Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society. Sabalo Mzambi, thanks so much for being with us as well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. So, Denise, I'd love to start with you, and if you could tell us a little bit about the story behind your name. I understand it involves your family's pronunciation of Solaire. Correct. So, my maiden name, Solaire, uh, my father's name and my grandfather, who is Cuban, a Cuban Jew, um, came to the United States and at some point began mispronouncing the name. And Soler in Cuba is a popular name in Spain. It's like the most vanilla, boring, blah na last name there is. When I was raised, I heard my family pronounce it Solar because that's the way that it's spelled. And the interesting thing about my experience is that we weren't, none of uh, the children in my family, none of my brothers, are, uh, brothers were taught to mispronounce it. We weren't told we were mispronouncing it. We were just watching our parents mispronounce it. And as kids, it was sort of witnessing them code switch in real time. So we thought, okay, this is what we do with people that are not Latino. We pronounce it solar. So outside of the house, it's solar. Inside the house or at church or with any of our friends that were, that were Latino, we pronounce it soler. And that's just the way that it was until I moved to Miami in my early 20s. And in Miami, Spanish is almost the primary language. And I remember making a phone call and asking for whomever I was asking for and giving my name first and last. And the receptionist said, hang on a second. And she just gave me an earful in Spanish about how totally not okay it was for me to be mispronouncing my name and that for the preservation of our beautiful culture, I must pronounce it Soler. And from that day on, I was Denise Soler. Wow, so you were okay with the fact that she gave you an earful about this? Yeah, I mean, you know, I at this point uh, in my 20s, I started wondering, like, why, why solar? Why not Soled? And, uh, you know, sometimes we need a little bit of a nudge to nudge us into the next phase or, you know, anything that would help empower my Latinidad, I was going to accept it. And as far as I'm concerned, she did me a favor that day. Now, what's interesting is I married a gringo. And so his last name is Cox. And so that's my legal last name. But for a long time, I didn't, I felt very conflicted about changing my name because I thought, you know what, my whole life I was Denise Solar. No one even knew that I was Puerto Rican or had a Cuban last name. And now I'm going to be a Cox, like totally gringo. And I just could not handle that. And so I decided to legally change my maiden name to my middle name. And so now being Denise Soler Cox, which I go by all the time, not hyphenated and said and on every document and introduced that way forevermore so that I always have an opportunity to embrace my Latinidad. To me, that's very important. And if it strikes up the kind of conversation that we're having here today, then I, I will have done my job. <laughs> have you ever <laughs> talked to your, your parents about why they code switched to solar? You know what? No, I did not. <laughs> Why does that make you laugh? <laughs> it's funny. You know, out of all the conversations you could have with your parents, sometimes the ones where we question their decisions, especially if you're Latino, 
you know, there's like this hierarchy and you just don't cross certain lines. And so asking them that um, I wouldn't see as appropriate, which is kind of interesting as well. Well, this is no rights on Instagram. I was told by my college advisor to use a quote American first name on my resume in order to have a better chance of getting a job interview. And Sabalo, that reminds me a lot of what you've also been struck by and looked at in terms of the way that that job applicants with non-white sounding names are treated. Can you talk a little bit about what you've learned through your research? And, and also it sounds like a somewhat tongue in cheek app that you developed to call attention to it. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Um, there's a lot of research that has been done as early as 20 years ago from uh, UC Berkeley, uh, Harvard University, University of Chicago that has shown that repeatedly names that are not uh, say white sounding or English sounding, for example, black names like Jamal, like Keisha, or even African names, they tend not to get a, um, the same response as white names, even though they have the same skills on a resume. And so what we're seeing now is that this bias that's been documented numerous times uh, through research is now being uh, also uh, worsened through computers, through AI, through algorithms, which are then reproducing the, uh, the same biases. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine, you know, someone is applying for a job and then there's so many applicants. And so the company decides to, well, let's have some software do the basic filtering out. And then we find that even the software itself is sort of learning uh, these existing biases in society. And it, it, it then tends to rank the names or the resumes even lower just because of the, of, of the name. And so, uh, uh, you know, what the caller is saying, uh, you know, when her advisor uh, you know, told her you know, to change her name, uh, we see some evidence for that. Given that evidence, have you ever felt the temptation to change your name in your life? <laughs> Not really, because um, of my uh, parents' influence. They were, they were really adamant to uh, giving us African names, and that's because um, uh, they're originally from Zimbabwe and, and Southern Africa. And so when they were growing up, they were forced to have English names in order to attend school. So mm -hmm. if your name wasn't English enough, you were sent back home. And so when, uh, when Zimbabwe became free in 1980 and the other nearby nations, they decided that they would not continue this, uh, this trend of giving English names. And so I'm one of the you know, um, first generation to really have only African names, whereas my parents have English names, my grandparents have English names, and some of my grandparents also had to have you know, English names. But we were like the really, the truly first generation to not have that. So I didn't quite feel necessarily the need to also change my name. And I also felt that if I were changing my name, I would be implicitly or even explicitly agreeing that there was something wrong with me, you know, uh, that maybe I did deserve the treatment that I might be getting just because I'm different. I, I, I'm, I'm um, African. And, and I just couldn't handle that, it, this internal conflict of, of accepting that, of admitting that. Mm -hmm. And so I've always tried to more or less uh, just, you know, maintain with my name and to uh, emphasize my name. We're talking with Sabalo Mzambi, a computer scientist and research fellow at Harvard's Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society and a 
Practitioner Fellow at Stanford University's Digital Civil Society Lab. Also with us is Denise Soler-Cox, co-director and co-producer of Being Enye, a multimedia organization project Enye celebrates first-generation American Latino identity. And Arya Young is with us, co-host of What the New York podcast. Arya also inspired today's segment talking about changing our names to either fit in in America for other reasons that listeners are sharing right now. And let me go to some calls. Piosh in San Carlos. Join us. Piosh, am I saying your name correctly? <laughs> Hi there. Hi. No, you are. Yeah. Yeah, so actually, case in point, thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Piyush. I'm calling from San Carlos in the Bay Area here. And I, um, you know, I completely relate with your first guest, Aria, and um, and completely understand that. And I, and I just wanted to share a perspective. Um, I grew up in India and I spoke multiple languages and I didn't quite appreciate it there uh, until I moved to the United States when I was 20. And, you know, just like um, the author mentioned, I, or the, you know, the, your guest mentioned, it's sort of trying to get away from your culture to fit in. But I also didn't necessarily see that as a burden on me, you know, when I came here because I wanted not necessarily to fit in, but I wanted to understand a new society that I was now part of and what that brings and, and how I could perhaps forget what I bring uh, from my culture and my languages and, and how I say things and how I um, stress or inflect uh, or speak differently, uh, but to learn on what makes people in this new society that I am in understand me better and find a way of communicating. So, so perhaps for me it was... Um, while I had my struggles with trying to actually go through that change and be able to speak like I belong here, perhaps, uh, but I also understood that I bring with me a rich history of languages, uh, you know, that are condensed from thousands of years ago that convey complex ideas. And for me, that was enriching because when someone couldn't say my name better, uh, or if they were, especially in the United States, when I had friends who were from Nigeria or Poland and different countries, and I, and I was able to at least connect with them because they said my names differently, including Americans. And now finally, I'm, you know, able to at least rise beyond that a little bit to say, I can truly understand what a you know, New England accent is to what a Midwestern accent is and to what a West Coast accent is. Yeah. And I think that's enriching coming from a different culture. And perhaps that's a middle ground, I hope, that uh, your uh, young guest uh, may be able to take away, at least from my little experience mm. of living for 15 to you know, 18 years in the United States now. Well, thank you for saying that, Piyush. It's interesting, um, Arya, Piyush was talking a lot about how your experience resonated with him and, and also just talking about how different dialects pronounce different names. And of course, also just moving through a multilingual world like this, mispronunciation is also definitely part of the experience. Um, but at the same time, I think one of the things that I've thought a lot about is mispronunciation is fine. Mistakes are fine as well with regard to pronouncing a name, but the intent does matter, uh, right? Like, depending on, say, like in your case, if you have a teacher who's mispronouncing your name, there is a power dynamic between a teacher and student that can set a tone <laughs> about where you stand if they're having difficulty pronouncing your name or not making the effort. What do you think, Aria? Absolutely. I think um, that, was, first of all, thank you so much, Piyush, for sharing. That was such a beautiful um, story. I really, I, I love that you would be, you were able to relate to my story. And I really appreciate what you said. But also, yeah, you know, like when a teacher 
mispronounces my name, it really like enforces this power dynamic that they didn't take the effort to learn where I come from, that I am not in this culture. I'm in this culture that doesn't appreciate where I come from and doesn't appreciate my difference. Um, you know, it's really interesting because in high school, even though I changed my name to an English name, some teacher would still mis mispronounce it. Like they would say like Araya or Aria, which is like so baffling to me. Like you didn't, because they see me and they see an Asian person and they're like, oh, she must have a weird name. So like they don't really take the effort to, to get to know me, to learn to pronounce my name, even my English name. So I think, Mina, you're absolutely right. It, it, there is definitely this power dynamic that comes with, you know, pronouncing names. Denise, I'd also love to get your thoughts on, on Piyush mentioning something of kind of like a middle ground. And I wonder when you were describing your experience of adding Cox to your name, and your name is now Denise Soler Cox, it almost reminded me of that a little bit. Like in many ways, you are embracing multiple parts of your identity and your name reflects that. Yeah, and it's really hard. It's hard to figure out. It's very individual, uh, especially when you are American born. So when you're already here and when the dominant culture acknowledges you as part of the dominant culture, but then your family recognizes you as part of the culture that they're from. So the tension is very, very strong and it can be really difficult to reconcile and kind of find a place that's, you know, personally okay for that individual. Um, going back to what Aria said though, when she was talking about, you know, when you brought up the example of the teacher and the power dynamic, I'd love for your listeners to know that these words, it's just easier for me. I'm gonna pronounce it like this because it's easier for me assumes that there is a power dynamic. So mm. it might not exist, uh, you know, teacher, student, or let's say employer, employee, but as soon as someone says, it's just easier for me, that is implied. I am more important than you. And when children hear this, it gets internalized. And the last eight years doing the work that we do at Project Enya is we really get into the depths of the consequences of these assumptions that people make. And then conversely, the sacrifices people make when they let go of what I call the song that their family gave them. When our parents give us names, they give us a song with words and a melody. And the day that we decide to change that is the day that we decide to break from that identity and create something new, which is important and, and necessary and also very delicate and, and sacred. Hmm. Well, Adam writes, in the 1930s, my great-grandfather, Sam Rosenblatt, moved to America and changed his last name to Roe in order to make it sound less Jewish. Nazism was rampant even in the U.S., and the change was to avoid anti-Semitism. Nancy writes, my family moved to Texas from Taiwan in 1977, not knowing any English. My three sisters, my brother, and I all picked English names. My sisters and I chose from a handful that my father knew, Susan, Lisa, Linda, Nancy. When we were naturalized, we all put the English translation of our Chinese names as our middle names on our respective naturalization certificates. Now that I'm returning to writing Chinese calligraphy, I'm trying to reclaim my original Chinese name, especially so I can sign my name in Chinese rather than in English. Let me go to Chris in San Francisco. Hi, Chris. Oh, hi. This is Chris. Um, I just wanted to say that I have a viewpoint that's a little bit different 
from what your caller expressed at the very beginning of the program. I'm Chinese-American, so I have a Western name and a Chinese name. But what I get very often is people would assume that the Chinese name has to be my original name and that the Western name is something that I chose to add it later, when in fact the English name is, is just as, as important a part of my identity as my Chinese name. And one other thing is that I think there are certain advantages to Western names. For example, um, in certain contexts in, Chinese, in Hong Kong or Taiwan society, if you use a Chinese name, you have to express it in such a way as to express the relative power dynamics of the speaker, uh, the different interlocutors. But when you, when you use a Western name, you're able to avoid that. And that is one of the reasons why it's preferred. What do you think about uh, yeah. what's behind, Chris, the fact that people assume that you changed your name or picked that name as opposed to that being the, the name that your parents gave you? Uh, because of the way I look, because I look Asian. Yeah. So they still associate it like with that, with foreignness, even though you have. Uh, yeah, I would assume that's the case. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have a very similar experience, Chris, and really appreciate you bringing that to light. So many listeners bringing their stories and experiences to light. Let me do a few more here. Venice writes on Instagram, Latinx person here. I've had lots of nicknames most of my life to make it easier for everyone else. In college, I decided not to do that anymore. And now I'm constantly teaching people how to pronounce my name. Funniest part of this experience, my name is Italian. Ha! <laughs> I hope I pronounced it correctly. Imeka writes on Instagram, I tried using a quote un I, I tried using an Americanized name in high school and used to use a coffee name at cafes and restaurants because I was tired of having to repeat myself and spell out my name. Now I use my given Japanese name, which is phonetic, unapologetically. It's on others to make an effort to learn my name, though it's, it's still exhausting to have to repeat it constantly. Reminds me a little bit about what you were saying in terms of who is demanding what, Denise, in terms of when we think about making names easier, quote unquote. And Denise Soler-Cox is one of the people that we're talking to, Arya Young, another, and Sabelo Mtsambi, about changing our names and what our names mean to us and the things that drive the types of changes and the things that drive us to think about reclaiming our names. We'll have more on that after the break. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about changing our names to fit in in America with Aria Young, co-host of What the New York podcast on WNYU, Denise Soler Cox, co-director and co-producer of Being Enye and co-founder of Project Enye, and Sabalot Mtsambi, a computer scientist and researcher at Harvard and at Stanford as well. And you, our listeners, are sharing if you or your family chose to change your name to, quote, fit in in the U.S. or shorten it, alter its pronunciation, or even abandon it altogether. Have you considered or tried to reclaim an original name, 866-733-6786. If you want to share your story about your name and what it means to you, 866-733-6786. Email us, forum at kqed.org. Post thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. Kirsten writes on Instagram, yes, nobody can pronounce Kirsten Cruz. I have a pronouncer here, so I'm hoping that I'm saying it correctly, Kirsten, the way it's supposed to be in German. So now I'm K-I-R-R-S-T-E-N-C-R-U-I-S-E as opposed to K-R-U-S-E. Honestly, it's super annoying to try to teach people. I mean, they truly try hard, but it's never the way my parents say it. Oh, well. Uh, and Sieg... Zico writes on Instagram, and again, I hope I'm saying your name correctly. I started to use an Aztec name just so Americans would leave me alone. My parents named me something so white just to fit in, and I don't really care about that. Decolonize your mind. Sabalo, one of the things that I am struck by is that you are having conversations with friends now. You are chatting with friends about what they'd name their kids if they had them. And I'm wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about those conversations and what's striking to you about them. Right. So similar to your last comment from um, someone on Instagram, there's this movement now to sort of reclaim one's heritage. And when I'm talking to my African friends or even my Hispanic friends, my Latino friends, they also seem to now be um, uh, talking more about uh, having or naming their children these sort of indigenous names or African names. And because it seems like there's this sort of sentiment where they, uh, you know, it's like they're tired of trying to fit in in a society, uh, becoming more, say, white, for example. And they want to just have the, the peace, calm, and quiet, and the power that comes with sort of reclaiming who you are. And so I, found, I find that when I talk more and more with my, with my, uh, with, with my peers, they have a sort of this shared sentiment that they want to still you know, embrace that and uh, sort of reclaim who they are. Do you think that that means that we are changing as a society where a diversity of names is more welcome? Or do you think that we are pushing society to change by reclaiming those names? I mean, I also don't know where we are in our research from, say, 2004, I think, when one of the early studies really showed how who gets a call back on a resume if their name was a white-sounding name or a black-sounding name. So, so where do you think we are on that with regard to progress, Sabalo? It's hard to tell, but um, the research which was done as early as 2004, we're still finding similar patterns. So mm. it's hard to say that we've changed, but I'm very optimistic, especially with the new Supreme Court Justice, uh, Ketanji, who's very proud of her, of her African name yes. and what it means for her, that it might also inspire more people to sort of um, you know, embrace their own cultures. Because, I mean, after all, that's sort of one of the promises of 
being American, you know, out of sort of many, like this mixing, melting pot. And so when you're able to still claim that uh, uniqueness that you bring with you, I think it's amazing. So I would say to answer your question, I think it's more about the latter, where some people are just saying, well, we will try to make change by just being ourselves and we'll stop the, uh, you know, this traumatic experience of always trying to become an other. It's very taxing, you know, and it's very stressing. So I think a lot of my peers are just tired, you know. They just want to be addressed and be themselves. And so maybe by doing so, as well as seeing other prominent figures in the Supreme Court, for example, maybe that will inspire more people in society as well to be more accepting of um, such names. Hmm. Well, let me go to caller Kelly in Sacramento. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Hi. Go right ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So I know this is a really intense discussion, uh, but I want to tell you that, like, I got my name changed for me. Um, the, I am a, an Indian. Um, and the Bureau of Indian Affairs changed our name. Mm. And so it's a really different idea, right? Yeah. I'm sorry, you caught me a little bit off guard. No, <laughs> I can tell that it, it affects you, Kelly. Tell uh, us why. Yeah. yeah, if you'd like to share. Um, it went from being, so I am a biological no, that's my job. I work in biological things. And so now my name went from being Larravi, which is like a river, and now it's Larravi, which is like a crazy, you know, uh, bug thing. I'm sorry. I didn't really expect to be put on like this. <laughs> Well, Kelly, no need to apologize at all. And I appreciate you bringing to light um, and reminding us of, of the complex emotions that come up with a name that is changed for you, as you say. We also have a, a listener here, uh, Judd, who writes, as a descendant of Africans brought to America during the post-1619 days of slavery, I've always regretted having no organic choice as to my surname, which is Hart, by way of an ancestor's time on a Hart plantation in Tennessee. There's no going back, but I dream of tracing my name to my imagined great-great-great-great-grandfather in Nigeria. Now I'm 100% behind the creative names given to younger generations as we black Americans continue to create since 1619 new culture on the fly. I'd love to ask you, Denise, also your thoughts on where you think we are in terms of progress about, you know, embracing and and really thinking of this bigger question of what constitutes even a quote unquote American name. Denise Solercox. Oh. So I was thinking the same thing. What even is American? We kind of have to put it in quotes yeah. for this conversation to account for evolution, to account for names being created uh, and this not being a new thing, right? This is, we're having this conversation in 2022 and the the transformation and the 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 transformation of names has been going on for, for a long time, right? So 
What do I think? I believe that the only way to get a sense of power in this conversation is to say, what am I going to do? These are potentially the mistakes or mishaps or, or missteps I've made in the past in order to survive, in order to make sure I was safe physically, right, in school. Uh, and then now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that shift. So there was a gentleman that we spoke to for our film. His uh, parents gave him the name Jesus. But in order to navigate his childhood, he decided to become Jay because it was easier for others. Mm. And then he realized, hang on a second, I'm going to reclaim Jesus, which as an adult, especially if you're married and have children and a house and bills, this is kind of complicated to do that kind of legal change. And But he did. And he reclaimed that identity that was given to him from his parents. So the key here is... Um, telling that story to as many people as possible. And that's why this show is so important today, because the more people hear it, the more they can make the decision of making this change if they want to, if it feels right to them themselves. In the 70s and 80s, when I grew up, this was not on the radio. This was not being spoken about on television or written about in magazines or newspapers. So just the act of having this conversation is an act in the right direction. When things will change measurably according to the data, I'm not sure. But I know one thing for sure, we're doing the right thing by showing up for this conversation and participating, including all of the various stories we're getting from the callers as well. Well, Ramses writes on Instagram, in Filipino culture, the mother's last name is included in the legal name. When I arrived in the States at 18, my green card had my middle name as both my legal middle name and my mother's last name. Because of it, when I swore to become a U.S. citizen, I got rid of my mother's last name so I could fit in. Honestly, it became easier to have got rid of my mom's last name now that I don't have it in my legal U.S. documents. This listener tweets, until this country becomes a non-racist country, why would any parent choose to give their child an unintended disadvantage? Look at the study on job interview rates for black sounding versus non-black sounding names. Huh, Sabala, what, do you have a reaction to what this listener is saying? Why would a parent choose to give their I, child an unintended disadvantage? I can only sympathize because I've also experienced that as well in my African community. Um, I do have an older sister who also named her children, um, um, you know, English names uh, for a very similar reason. And surprisingly, even in some of the countries where my family does live, some uncles, uh, they also have decided to name their children white names. And it kind of shows that this, uh, this need to sort of move towards whiteness is, is also truly global. It, it also happens in very African, in African nations. Uh, we see the same trend sort of happening as well. So I can only sympathize to what the previous uh, listener said. Well, let me go to caller Joseph in San Luis Obispo. Hi, Joseph. Hello there. What's on your mind? Are you there? Yeah. What's well, on your mind, Joseph? Uh, my family story is, uh, I'll try and make it as distinct as possible. My grandfather and great uncle came over from Russia after the Bolshevik, or because of the Bolshevik Revolution. And my grandfather only spoke Russian. My great uncle was a linguist and spoke English quite well. When they arrived at Ellis Island, uh, my great uncle had our name spelled correctly because he spelled it for the agent. Uh, my grandfather 
said the name Kasparovich, and they misspelled it and um, with an O-W-I-T-Z on the end instead of an O-V-I-T-H. Subsequently, the family had two different last names. Then my, my uncles, during the uh, latter part of the Depression, truncated the name to Casper, one spelling it with P-A-R, the other with P-E-R. Five siblings, one, one of the sisters got married, five different last names. And then before, my father always wanted to change it back to the correct spelling pronunciation. And after his passing, I decided I was going to do it. So I did and invited my brother who said, well, let's keep up the tradition. I'm going to keep the wrong spelling and you can take the right one. Hmm. It's quite a story, Joseph. Um, and I should actually remind listeners that we are talking about names and, and hearing your family story of changing a name, if there's one in there, just like it was for Joseph. We're talking with Aria Young of the uh, What the New York podcast on WNYU, Denise Soler Cox, co-director and producer of Being Enye and Sabalo Mzambi, a computer scientist and a researcher. And you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Preeti writes on Instagram, my Indian name is Preeti, which means sweet in Hindi, but in the U.S. everyone would call me pretty, and they would feel compelled to give me a compliment, saying, oh, you are so pretty. It's so annoying, so I started using Pam to avoid that embarrassing conversation. But now, at 50, I make sure I use my correct name and make sure they pronounce it the right way, too. Let me go to Colleen in San Francisco next. Hi, Colleen. Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, I just wanted to make a couple comments because this conversation is super uh, relevant to me. I am half Vietnamese, half white. And um, in the, you know, with all of the anti-Asian um, stuff that was going on or is still continuing to go on, I've sort of like gone inside to kind of think about like, what does that mean for me? And so having conversations with my mom about, you know, sort of my mixed race identity and why she never gave me a Vietnamese middle name or name. And she told me specifically when she came here as a refugee and the things that she experienced, she knew that she was going to marry a white person so that her kid would, you know, be as ambiguous as possible. Um, she gave me, you know, calling Patricia Eversman as my name so that on a specific, you know, kind of what your um, guests are saying is that if anybody uh, ever looked at my name on a resume, that they wouldn't, you know, put me at a disadvantage. And um, I think a lot of mixed people do feel uh, this sense of like erasure from their uh, culture when their parents try to like protect them from the things that they experienced. But it leaves us as mixed people feeling like we're less than or not enough of. Um, so for me personally, it's been uh, a struggle and a journey to kind of figure out how to reconcile both, both parts of me and still feel, you know, accepted by both or, or confident in both identities. Yeah, I, I am really struck, Colleen, and I'll ask Denise to, to comment on this, on this phenomenon of not feeling like you're enough of one thing or another um, with a mixed identity. Have you felt that way or thought about that? I felt that way so much. I made a movie about it and it has <laughs> occupied uh, the last eight years of my life and just being 
you know, having a chance to go deep, I call it like going into the deep end with these conversations are healing. So I just want to reach out and give hugs to anyone who feels connected or is feeling emotional right now, uh, even listening to this conversation. It does open up a Pandora's box. And I want to invite you to keep it open and explore it and talk about it with people because that's how we heal. Because this, there's a saying in Spanish, ni de aquí, ni de allá. And it means I'm not from here and I'm not from there. And sometimes people feel so stuck in between that they never get a chance in their lifetime to reconcile that. But there is a place where we can belong right in the middle. It's called interdependence. It looks like this, hands together. And we have to find that place independently. And being in conversations like this, especially with people that we love, and sometimes with people that are mispronouncing our name, are critical to the healing and critical to the evolution and the transformation of all of us. Well, speaking of moving to a name that feels right for us and true to who we are. Aria Young, I understand that you might be considering considering another name change related to honoring your mom. Can you share a little bit about what you're thinking? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up also. Um, you know, I a major reason that I'm still going by Aria instead of my given name, Qingyue, is that my name, my legal name is given by my dad. Um, you know, but he left us when I was four and I haven't felt the presence of his fatherhood all throughout my life. So, you know, although I do want to honor my heritage, you know, my, my Chinese identity is incredibly important to me. I don't want to, I don't want to honor that name. I don't want to honor the name that my father gave me. And I still have his last name, Yang. It's spelled, legally, it's spelled Y-A-N-G, but I spell it differently. I spell it Y-O-U-N-G. Um, one thing it's easier for people to pronounce, you know, people always said Yang, and I was like, oh, it's not Yang. But at the same time, I, I don't want to have my father's last name. So uh, I was thinking, you know, someday maybe maybe not soon but someday when i'm when i'm able to i do want to change my last name to my mother's last name shu because i want to honor that i want to honor her presence in my life well aria young thank you so much for sharing your story thank you as well denise soler and sabalot msambi and also for the work and research that you are doing my thanks also to Caroline Smith, who produced today's segment, and of course to our listeners who shared so much with us and really enriched today's conversation. You have been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.